All right, well, we're starting a new series called Faithful, and uh, we, I'm excited about this series. I've been kind of marinating, chewing on it for uh, probably about a month now, so, um, so I'll, I'll just say I'm sorry. I'm ready to let it out. I'm ready to leash it, all right? So it's going to be fun. But no, it's really a great series, and so we're going to kick out really uh, talking about how God, or uh, the title of the sermon is He is Always Faithful, He being God, right? He's always faithful. And, um, amen? He's always faithful. Say that with me. He's always faithful. Whether you believe it or not, say it. He's always faithful. You're going you're gonna to see that today. Like, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I've, uh, in my faith walk, and I, I try to remember back before I knew the Lord. Uh, so maybe you're there today. I know we're all at different places in our walk, but I try to remember um, when I say something like that, he's always faithful. Uh, I remember when I didn't believe that. Uh, maybe you're here today, and that's where you are. You just have some dis- disbelief or unbelief, or maybe you believe there is a God, and, but you're not really sure. You don't have a relationship with him. That's where I grew up. I always knew there was a God. I was kind of more agnostic in my thinking, but um, didn't understand who God was or if I could know him or if he even liked me or not. Um, and that's kind of was my thought. So for me to think that he's always faithful was a difficult concept. And, and I think it's still a difficult concept in a sense for all of us because God's so much bigger than we are. Uh, but I do know as you keep walking and as you keep following God, uh, you're always amazed that what you think you, about, you know about God, it keeps getting greater. He keeps amazing you in different ways. And so uh, I just want you to know whether uh, maybe you're out there today watching online or here in the room and uh, you just have a little unbelief. You're here today, uh, but you just, you're not sure you understand totally. Listen, God is, whether you understand or not, whether you believe it or not, he's going to continue to be faithful. You're your emotion, your situation, your circumstance, your pain, your hurt doesn't change who he is. And you need to know that. He doesn't waver. He's the same every single day, and he has been ever since we've been created. He's always existed. That's even a hard concept to understand, isn't it? He didn't have a creation point. He didn't have a birthday. He's always been. And so uh, this morning, you know, as I was thinking about that, you, all we can think about is our own lives, right? We think about our situation in 2020 and, you know, whatever your, your span of life is on earth. But, but think about this. For thousands of generations before you and many after you, uh, there's going to be a lot of people in that time frame, uh, us being one of them. Look, how many of you have been unfaithful to God? All of us have, haven't we? Even if you think you're holier now, let me just tell you, God says, oh, you've missed the mark. Don't you worry. All right, we've all made mistakes, and so we're all in the same boat. We've all been unfaithful, and so think about that. Now, compound that over thousands of generations. Compound that over many, many lifetimes, many people, yet God hasn't changed. You know, I used to always think, you know, I can, I can get God to change, right? We've got all these great ideas in mankind. You know, we live in a great nation. There's a lot of different philosophies and views I just wonder what God thinks sometimes as he, uh, we say he looks down. You know, obviously we know heaven and God's way above us, so we, we think God's looking down. And uh, just think about that for a second. Here's God of the universe, just to put it in a, maybe in a concept that we can understand. The God that made everything. When it comes to knowledge and wisdom and expertise, he knows everything about everything. When it comes to power and might and favor, he's more powerful than anything ever that, that you've ever known or seen. Uh, and then... Uh, you, know, you think about just who he is, and, and we think, like, well, I've got this great idea. You know, God's not going to look down and go, yeah, you know, I never thought about that. That's just really, just, <laughs> I think I'm going to change today. You know, even when I didn't know God, uh, and I didn't have a relationship with him, I knew God knew me. Uh, well, I didn't really understand that concept, but the reality is, is that 
when you think about his faithfulness, it's not dependent on you or me. Now, we should want to serve God. We should want to seek God. And we should want to uh, honor our Lord. That's, that's, that's true. But his faithfulness and the way he reacts isn't dictated by any one of our behaviors or a culmination of our behaviors. God's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. He's not going to change. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you if he doesn't align with you. It actually means he loves you because he knows he's bigger than we are. He's much bigger than any one of us in this room. He's much bigger than every person on the planet combined. It really is a, a very, very difficult concept to understand the the magnitude, the, the honor, the strength, the, the wisdom, and the power of God. And, but today, I, I wanted to really start with his faithfulness because the reality is, is you and I can't be faithful till we understand what faithfulness is. And so let me start with kind of the sovereignty or the sovereign Lord of all. Now, it's not a word we use too much, right? You don't go to work and go, man, you're just sovereign today. It, does, it doesn't work that way. Maybe you don't know what sovereign means. Uh, sovereign, uh, really, if it, the concept of sovereignty is that Jesus is above everything. He's over all. There's only one person that's sovereign, and that's God himself. That's Jesus. Uh, you know, in the Hebrew and the Greek Bibles, if you, if you like to do studies, you won't find sovereignty, by the way, in the Hebrew and Greek. There's not a word translated from English. We say sovereign. You can't translate that down to the Hebrew and Greek. Uh, but it does translate into phrases. So in the Hebrew and Greek, what you see is a, a phrase that describes sovereignty. In the English, we've called it sovereignty. Or uh, we get our words supreme or supremacy. Or uh, that's kind of, uh, it comes out of the Hebrew or the Latin, actually, is where we get those kind of words. But uh, what you see in the Hebrew and Greek is this, and you'll find it in 1 Timothy 6.15. I'm going to read this out of New Living Translation because I think it's easier to understand, but it says this, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only Almighty God. And here's the phrases, the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. Now, I think we've heard those statements before, right? But that's, that's what sovereignty is. Jesus will always be above all kings, whoever the king is, whoever the person in, in power is. There will be never, ever be anybody more powerful than Jesus. Jesus will always be the Lord of all lords, the king of all kings, the name that's above every other name. That is what sovereignty is, that you serve a God and I serve a God, that we come to a place and we get to sing and worship a God that is above all things but is very relational with us. That's what's beautiful about our relationship with Jesus. And again, if you're, if you're here today, I remember coming to this church, you know, for the very first few times. And, and that concept of that, the, that God is so much bigger than we are, but he cares about me. One, one singular person on the planet was, was hard to comprehend. The idea that God is faithful even when we're not was hard to comprehend. Why? Because everywhere we've been, whether we go to work or we're at home or we're with our kids or, we're, or we have a career path or whatever it is, you're at school, you're a young person, you're going to school and you've got friends and you're getting ready to take a test and your teachers, the reality is nobody has been perfectly faithful in your life, have they? Somebody has been wronged you. Somebody's been unfaithful. Somebody has done something wrong to you. And so our concept or idea that someone can be faithful all the time is, is very hard to comprehend because we just don't have it in real life. But I remember in those early days in my faith as I was walking in, like, if there is a God, and I always believed there was a God, and maybe that's where you are, if there is a God, I wouldn't want him to be wrong, would you? I don't want to worship a God that is, 
you know, meets me and says, hey, and, and blows it the next day. I don't want to worship a God that, that isn't above all things. I want, if I'm going to worship God, he needs to be right. He needs to be true. He needs to be good. He needs to be love. He needs to be all those things all the time and never wavering. Because all I have on the planet and what I see on earth, well, even if we do our best, the reality is even as Christ followers, even if we do our best, we're, we're not going to get it right all the time. Our intentions are to keep following Christ and to show Christ. But the reality is we don't always get it right. And then if we look outside the church, we look outside of the, of the world where maybe they don't believe in God, we see hurt all the time. We see pain all the time. We watch the news and we see a cycle of hurt and pain. But I want you to see this morning, if you can walk away with anything, I want you to see that God is always faithful. Regardless of you, regardless of me, regardless of all of our lives together, regardless of the generations before us and the generations after us, we have a God that will not quit. He will always be faithful. It's hard to comprehend his sovereignty to think that God gave a covenant thousands of years ago and he's continually been faithful. He's never forgot. How many of you guys have forgotten? If you <laughs> Just ask your spouse. Oh, yes, you, just this morning, you forgot to put your socks away. We break promises all the time. But God never forgets his promises. He's sovereign and he's Lord over all. Uh, Mark chapter 4, this is the first time the disciples saw God's sovereignty. And they were, they were blown away. They were blown away many times. Uh, but I like that they're real people like us. I like that. All through the Bible, when you read about people in the scriptures, these aren't just fairy tales or folk stories. This is, these are real lives of real people that are trying to know God and even walking with God. These disciples are walking with Jesus, the Messiah, God who is God and became man for a brief time, walking with him. And they get to see his sovereignty for maybe the first time, but they've seen it multiple times. But they, for this, in this moment, they're, they're blown away by his sovereignty. And Jesus is out teaching, and here's the context. Of, and I just encourage you, if I ever say anything in the, in the, in the uh, services where you maybe don't understand, go back and read the context. A lot of preachers sometimes take things out of context. Don't take things out of context. Understand the context. Read the whole story. Mark chapter 4, Jesus is preaching. He's preaching to crowds. They keep following him. He's preaching, not just preaching, but he's preaching all day. Preaching all day. And then when he's done preaching, and I love this, I love that. How many of you guys have ever been to church, you heard a word, and you're like, I don't know what that means. I need to get some understanding. Like you heard it, but it was over your head. Any of those? Oh, I have them all the time. You know, I'll, I'll hear somebody and be like, man, I need to go back and read that. Well, Jesus is preaching all day, and he's speaking in parables. He's teaching all these people in parables. And when he's all done teaching, after all day teaching, he leaves, and guess what's happened? The disciples said, hey, Jesus, now that we got you alone, can you explain that to me? Because it went way over my head. Can you explain it to me? Can you imagine that? Teaching all day long and saying, Jesus, okay, now, can you boil that down so I can understand? You know, I don't preach all day too often, but I've, I've had a few moments where I've preached, and I won't say all day. I don't know what Jesus' all day was, but maybe for a few hours, like, you know, here we're down to an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, and if I go any longer than that, I'm getting hate mail or emails. I'm just kidding. I don't get that, but... But, you know, sometimes when you go into other countries, you know, they have a different culture, and they, they'll preach for hours. You know, this sermon can go for three hours, four hours. 
And it's not that they're right or we're right or they're wrong or we're wrong. It has nothing to do with that. But, you know, whenever I'm done preaching two services on a Sunday morning, I can tell you I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And it's not like running a 5K or a marathon. It's a different kind of exhaustion because it's, it's spiritually, it's emotionally, it's physically draining. And imagine Jesus speaking all day parables to crowds and crowds of people. And then his disciples saying, okay, now teach me so I can understand. And then they get to get on a boat. Here's where we're at in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. He says, on the same day, this was the day he was out teaching. When the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. If you've got a Bible, underline that. What Jesus did not say is, we're going to die today. He did not say we're going to die today. He said we're going from here to over there. That's what he said. This is the same God that heals people, the same God that has walked on water and saw them. This is the same God. He says, we're going over there. Now, when he had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. What does that mean, as he was? What does, what does as he was mean? He was tired. How do we know that? The very next verse. They took him from teaching all day, then explaining his teaching to the disciples. They took him on the boat because they were going to the other side. He was exhausted. And they took him and exhausted Jesus as he was on the boat, remembering he's, they're just going to the other side. That's it. They're going to the other side. As he was, they took him. They put him on the boat. And the other little boats were also with him. And great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it was already filling. And he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. I love that. I love that they put the pillow on there. How many of you guys love your pillow? And if you've got that pillow, you know what I'm talking about, that pillow. You've had it since you were a kid. It's like, you know, it's like that little stuffed animal you squeeze for 20 years. You got that pillow? You're laughing. Some of you got it, don't you? Your wife hates that pillow. It's nasty. It's not even white anymore. It's like a dingy yellow. You know what I'm saying? Barely any feathers. You got to put it in a ball to get any, any, any. But you're not getting rid of that pillow. You know what I'm talking about? It's your pillow. It's your pillow. Forget those water pillows and all that. Give me that pillow. Put that thing together. Just squish it down. That's the pillow. That's Jesus. He's like on the pillow. And they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he, he arose. He rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so full of fear? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have not just a little faith, no faith, zero faith. The meter's on E, zero faith. And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, this is where you see his sovereignty. Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obeys him? That sovereignty. They see Jesus, and whatever Jesus says happens. Look, he's the creator. Now, I know he came as a man, but he's also God at the same time. Now, he doesn't see like he did when he was in heaven. Philippians says he laid that down, that God had done, but he's still man, and he's still fully man and fully God. Again, hard to comprehend because it'll never happen again. But when Jesus says, be still, you know what be still means in the original? You know what it means? Put a muzzle on it. That's what it means. Put a muzzle on it. He looked at the, he looked at the storm, he said, put a muzzle on it. Be still. I like put a muzzle on it better, don't you? There's another great verse in the Psalms, right? Be still and know that I'm God. He's talking about someone being fearful. Fear you, be still. You put a muzzle on it, boy. You got to agree with God. 
If Jesus says storm stop, the storm stops. If Jesus looks at a fig tree that he created, by the way, and it's not producing fruit, and he says, you're going to wither and die, it withers and dies. If he looks at a man that's lame and says, get up and walk, guess what? He gets up and walks. He's God. He's always faithful. He can't not be faithful. Let me just put it another way. God can't lie. God can't not do what he says. He's always going to be faithful. And I know it's hard to understand because we don't have relationships like that. We, we have good, healthy relationships, but it's not always. They, it's not like they never lie. Look, at the end of the day, we've all lied. At the end of the day, we've all been unfaithful. But not God. God has always been faithful. He's never lied. He's never promised something and it hasn't happened. Look, we all have experiences. We have hurt and we have pain. But we need to know that God is always faithful and he's always true. You know, our last series in Proverbs, you know, we kind of ended with what's it look like to be faithful? How can I be more full of faith? And I love Proverbs because it really is just wisdom nuggets, right? It's precepts. It's, it's God's heart. It's, God, it's really God's intentions for us in a short way. How do we be more faithful? By what does the word full of faith mean? Actually, the, the root of the original word faith means trust. That we need to be full of trust. That we trust Jesus with whatever it is. We take these Proverbs, we take these verses. If we trust Jesus, then what he says, and this isn't checking the box, this isn't being legalistic for all of you out there that are taking my words and using them incorrectly, and editing them online and putting them up there incorrectly. This is not what it's about. This is about knowing that you have a God that's been faithful, that loves you, that knows you, that has a plan for you, not to, to prosper you, not to harm you. This is a God that cares about you, knows what's best for you, and he's giving you his heart and his precepts to bless you, to help you, and it's good for you. It will always be good for you. What's it mean to be full of faith? It means to trust. And not just to trust. So the, the root of trust in the, in the Hebrew and Greek, the root of trust is true. To know that this person is true. I hope you believe that God is true. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. I'm the truth. Again, we have a hard time comprehending that somebody can be true all the time because that's not real in our real life, is it? The other day, many of you may know, but if you're new, I'm, I, my wife and I purchased a home out in the boonies, in the boondocks. Georgetown, and it's a beautiful piece of property on some acreage, and we're renovating, we're renovating the whole house, and we have a barn out there, and we ordered some siding for our barn. So we went to, we have a contractor, he went to Home Depot, we picked it all out, you know that process is always fun when you're doing selections and colors and all that kind of stuff, maybe you love it, maybe you hate it, but it's something you got to do when you're doing renovations. So we picked the color of the, of the siding, and we, we ordered it, of course it's always like, it'll be about three weeks. That was in September. It just came in two months later. You know the verb. Oh, it's COVID. Gosh, I hate that. It's COVID when it's bad. It's COVID when it's good. It's just COVID. That's the weirdest verb in the world, isn't it? 
And so, okay, it took two months to get there. It gets there. It arrives. It finally pulls up. Everyone's excited. It's here. We're going to get everybody on it. We'll get it put together before it snows. It's been nice. It's been the, the, the top piece, like our barn's 24 feet in the middle. And, and they instructed us, look, we want to do single sheets. We don't want cuts and we don't want seams. We want it to be one single sheet. So know your roof pitch, do the whole thing. So we do all the work. We get the one piece. It's 24 feet long. That's the highest pitch in our, it's 24 feet. It's in the color. We're excited. That's the piece that's showing. And then everything else is wrapped up in cellophane. But the cellophane is kind of like glowing. And so he cuts it open. And It's red. Now, barns are red. I don't have a problem. But we didn't order red. We did not order red. It's nowhere near our order, and it's in six-foot pieces. Here they instruct us to make sure we know the pitch so we get one single piece. We know the color. We order it. We make the call. It's all there, so he sends it back. He makes a call to Home Depot. He makes a call to, to the metal. Look, I'm not speaking ill about any of those things. People make mistakes. But what bothers us most is when there's a mistake made, and all they do is point fear. It's his fault. It's his fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. I don't care. Just get me what I need so we can cover the barn. I know this is gospel. I know it's all going to burn up someday, but for, for right now, it's important. <laughs> Give me the metal. For some of you, are like, what did he just say? It, trust, just read the Bible, okay? It's going to all go away. All these things that you think is important that you spend time on, up in smoke. But we get to live with Jesus forever, so that's the good news. He's always full of truth. God will never say, hey, you were an accident. God will never say, you were the wrong color. God will never say, I don't like you. He's always faithful, and he's always true. And you've got to agree with that. You've got to come to a place at least to begin to think about that. Because if he's God, he has to be true all the time. And I just encourage you, look, if you want more faith in your life, then you have to agree with what's true about you. And the only way that you know what's true about you is by having the relationship with the truth and starting to understand what he says about you. And you have to start agreeing with that. Now, I'm not saying it's not a process. Oh, it's a process. I don't care if you've been following Jesus for one day or 20 years. You are always going to be learning about God. He's so much bigger than we are. He's so much more outside of we are. His ways are higher than ours. That's, that's a verse in the Bible found in Isaiah. These are things that you're going to start to learn about God, and we're going to keep growing in our understanding of God. But the, the reality is, is even the knowledge that we don't have doesn't mean that God's not faithful. He's still faithful, and he's still true. In Revelation 3.14, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says this. And to the angel of the church of the, last, of the Laodiceans write, these things they say, Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That's who he is. In Revelation 19, 11, he describes when he's going to come back. Before things go up in smoke, when he comes back, and this is the final battle, this is what he says. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and he makes war. Look, I don't want a God who judges and is wrong. 
I want a God who judges, who is right every single time. And I want a God that's going to go to war. Not to maybe win. He's going to win. He is all-powerful. Sometimes we think, well, we're barely going to get to heaven because the enemy's just that strong. No, he isn't. You read the end. Read the whole book of Revelation. <laughs> Gone. Down to your pit, boy. That's it. There's no wrestling match. There's no, like, UFC, God is all bloodied up. No. No. You know, he was created, too. He just chose to disobey. He chose to be prideful and arrogant. And hell was made for him. And hell was made for the demons. It wasn't made for people. Read it in Ezekiel. We've got a choice, church. What do you believe? Where are you? And it's okay if you're struggling. It's okay if you have disbelief or unbelief or you've been hurt or you have this wrong view of God. But you know what? Start to ask the question, God, who are you? Everywhere you look in the Bible, it says, seek me. And what does it say? I'm going to play hide and seek and you're never going to find me. No, it says you will find me. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. That's the promise of God. Again, God will always fulfill his promise. If you want to know him, you can know him. He's always faithful. He's always true. Jesus died for the whole world, including you. He knows your name. You're not some numberless, you're not just a number in heaven. You have a name. In fact, he's documenting. Revelation says you're in the book of life, eternal life. You're in the book. God is writing your name in the book if you will trust him and follow him and live for him. And he is the great judge. He's never going to get it wrong. God's not going to say, you were following me, and you're not. Eh, I made it wrong. It's okay. It's just one. No, it's never going to happen. He knows your heart. I'm so thankful that he's the great judge. I don't want to be walking around this planet saying, he's saved, she's saved, he's not, not sure. We're taking your salvation away. I'm glad that's not my job. It's not my job. He's always faithful. He's always true. He's always right in what he does and how he does it. And he's also an amazing judge. We have a great justice system in the U.S. We do. But they get it wrong sometimes. What if you had a judge that never got it wrong, ever? Ever. That's who God is. He's that worthy of our praise. And he'll never steer you wrong. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is... Not a man that he should lie. Titus 1.2 says, In the hope of all eternal life with God, who cannot lie. He cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18 says, That by two immutable things in which it is impossible, impossible. Everyone say impossible. It's impossible for God to lie. Why do we look at God and say, God, why did you do this to me? Look, I understand you've been hurt. I understand you were going through something. We all have been but it doesn't necessarily mean that God has been unfaithful to you or God has been untrue to you or God is lying to you because God can't lie. God can't be anything but true and he can't be anything but faithful. We may not understand it. You may have lost a loved one and I know that that hurts and it's so painful. And I'm not mitigating what you're going through, but the reality is what God said is always gonna be true. We're all gonna die. That's not true, is it? 
Jesus says, if you follow me, you'll never die. You may leave earth, but you'll never die. To be absent from here is to be with the Lord. These are verses that you find right here. This is the relationship with the real God that you have. You see, you you get to know these things. You get to have that relationship. For all eternity, you're going to live with Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's his promise. And he won't change his promise. There's no exceptions. There's no asterisk on the bottom of the coupon. None of that. And he'll be right every single time. He knows your heart. He knows where you are. He cares about you. Look, if you're here today and you're watching this and you're struggling with that idea that God can, God can truly know me, that God can care about me, you're saying that because somebody in your life has hurt you. And you're applying that to God. Now, it's not true. But this is something we see in all through the scriptures. Sometimes people hurt you and you say, well, that's God. It's not true. God, that is not God. God died for you. He died for me. He knows your name. The Bible says that he prays over you. He sings over you. He dances over you. He talks to his father. He intercedes for you regularly. He knows your name. In fact, he'll write your name in the book of life. Someday there's, you're going to spend all eternity, and he's, gonna, he's not going to show up and go, what's your name again? He knows. He knows. Knows your name. In fact, he knows you better than you know you. He made you, he created you, he gifted you, blessed you. He's always true, he's always faithful. Now let me uh, talk about being faithful or fearful. I like to put it in the reverse. Full of fear or full of faith. You see the disciples, when they were on that boat, They choose to agree with their fear. And they lost sight of what Jesus said. Jesus said, we're going over there. Jesus did not say, you're going to perish. Those were their words. When they got fearful, they started agreeing with the storm, and they started agreeing with the fear, and they they even uh, came to the point to say, Jesus, don't you care? How many of you have said that to Jesus? Don't you care? Don't you see we're about to die? That's not what Jesus said. He said, we're going over there. He was just taking a nap because he was tired. In fact, I I think it might be funny if Jesus might have sent the storm. That might have been a good thing, but I don't think that's the case because he got up and rebuked it. But taught all day, taught them on the boat. And I just want you to know there's, there's so much power in agreement. And if you agree with your fear, here's really what you're saying. And it may not be intentional in this, but, uh, and you may be, but here's what you're saying when you're fearful. Fear is judging God as unfaithful. The enemy wants you to be rooted in fear because then you're allowing fear to rule you. But you're, God, it's not that God is unfaithful, but because of your fear, you can't see God being faithful. You can't see God getting you out of the situation. God, don't you love me? Don't you see I'm going to die here? God said, you're not going to die. We're just going to go over there. 
And fear can just really cripple, and, and it can take your focus off what is true and what is good, and it puts it on something that's a distraction. It puts it on something that's not true. But you, you see it as true. And like many of you, like myself, I know I came to Jesus many times and said, God, are you not here? Where are you? Do you not care about me? None of those things are true, but that's what I said to God. Why? Because I'm rooted in fear. And Hebrews 11, 11, and let me close with this. I think this is a beautiful power of agreement, but I want you to see that these are everyday people like you and me. They didn't always get it right. This is about Sarah. Hebrews 11, 11, by the way, is the hallmark of faith. Like, if you don't know much about scriptures, Hebrew 11 is like, these, if, if I can make a hall of fame of people of faith, here's the list, and here's why. And so it starts listing people like Moses and Sarah and all these, all these Bible greats. It's like the NFL, like the Hall of Fame. You get the gold jacket, right? And you put the name up and why they're great, all their stats. But even better, because it's the Hall of Faith of Jesus, right? This is, this is the hallmark of why these people were so full of faith, so faithful. And it starts, and, and I'm only going to read one of them. You can have fun and read them later. But Hebrews 11 says, by faith, listen to this, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. How old was she? Ninety. Woo, 90. I know they lived a little bit longer, but I don't care. 90. Having a baby at 90. That's not a blessing. <laughs> well, it is a blessing if you have a kid, but you know what I'm saying. Now listen to this last part. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. The power of agreement. Did Sarah always say that God was faithful? She didn't, did she? In fact, when God said, you're going to have a baby, and she was older in age, what did she do? She laughed and mocked God. How many of you have been there? God told you some wild idea or thought, and maybe you laughed and you mocked God. All I'm getting you to see is Sarah's just like you and I. God is so much bigger than we are. He can do whatever he wants. Nothing is as impossible for him. He's over all things. He created all things. He has all power. He has all might. And if he says at 90, you're going to have a baby, guess what? His promise will happen. But do you know what Sarah is known for? The one thing that God put in the scriptures for you and documented wasn't that she mocked and it wasn't that she laughed. The reason why she's known as faithful is because she came to a place to agree. And here's what she said. You are faithful. She got to a place in her heart to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand. I don't understand how you're going to make it happen. But that's what she's known for in Hebrews 11, 11. She judged him. Remember, you can judge God as unfaithful or faithful. It doesn't change who God is. It's just your heart. She got to a place to judge God and say, God, you're faithful. And I'm sure she repented. God, I laughed. I I'm sure that's her story she told all of her days. I laughed when God told me this. But then I came to a place to surrender and say, God, I, you're faithful. Your promises are always faithful. And if you say I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to have a baby. And now you're sitting in the blessing of that covenant and that promise so many years ago. We're grafted into that same family of God. 
What do you agree with today? Let me just ask you that question. It's so simple, but yet it can be so difficult because it's how you view God. If you're gripped with fear and anxiety and depression, if you're the victim all the time, let me just say this because I think it's a pandemic. This is the pandemic our world is struggling with. If you're the victim, then you're mad at God, aren't you? It's God's fault, isn't it? It's everybody else's fault. It's not your fault. Can I just say you're agreeing with the wrong spirit? You're not agreeing with God. You're agreeing with the wrong spirit. The enemy has deceived you. He's lied to you, and you've bought it hook, line, and sinker. And you say, well, how do I know that? Because it's not in here. God has never called you the victim. He's called you the victor. He's called you the victor. I've overcome the world. So can you. You're not an accident. No, you're my son and you're my daughter. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what your symptom is. I don't care what's going on in your life. You're my son and you're my daughter. And I know you and I love you. You've got to agree with what God says. I have a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, but to bless you and give you a future. Do you believe it? See, if you're the victim, you can't see it. God doesn't care about me. Yes, he does. He died for you. He knows your name. He created you. He blessed you. He gave you the tools for you even to speak that sentence. He's not mad at you. He's emphatically unfair. He's in love with you more than you can imagine. He talks about you to his father. He sings over you, dances over you. He prays and intercedes for you. Tell me one of your friends that does that faithfully every single day. That's why he can say, I am your friend. No weapon formed against you shall prosper because I'll stand and I'll protect you. I'll provide for you. I'll stand for you. You don't even realize that he's sending angels out of heaven to minister to you. Hebrews says, you don't even know when you're being entertained by angels, but God does. He's sending angels to minister to you, to bless you. In fact, there's battles going on between demons and angels every day, all the time, because God loves you. You've got to agree with the God of heaven. You've got to agree that he's faithful. You've got to agree that he's true. You've got to agree that he cares. You've got to agree that he loves. You've got to agree that he's crazy about you. And you may not even believe it today. It's okay. Try. Try. I remember that day I was sitting there skeptical. Can't wait to get out of church because it's hitting me so much. I hear God. My heart is like, I know it's for me, but I don't want it. I do want it, but I don't want it. And if that's you, try, try. Do you think God is gonna strike you dead? No, this building has been standing for 30 years. It hasn't fallen yet, even though you thought it before you walked in the door. Now there has been walls that fell down, but they weren't to ruin you. They were actually to show God's goodness. They were actually to show that God is faithful. They were actually to show that God is victorious. They were actually to say, hey, you're trying to block me from the promised land, but it's my land. That's what you've got to see. You've got to know the promises of God. You've got to know the heart of God. You've got to know that He is faithful and He is true. And He hasn't given up on you and He never will. Maybe your parents have. Maybe your coworker has. Maybe your friend has. Whatever it is, God will not forgive up on you. Start to agree like Sarah. Yes, she mocked at one time. Yes, she laughed at one time. But so did you. And so did you. And so did I. 
But when I started to agree with who God is and that he's faithful and true, look, everything changed. I believe somebody in here is going to be changed today. They're going to walk out of this place changed. Maybe for the first time, maybe you've never, never agreed with God before. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you know what? You've been gripped in fear. Start to agree with God says, this pandemic will not kill you. You're never going to die. Even if that's the way you leave earth, you're with Jesus forever. You will never die. Don't be gripped where you can't serve Jesus. You can't do his kingdom plan. Yes, you can. I am an overcomer. Through Christ, all things are possible. And by the way, if you get COVID, then pray to the healer and say, God, I need healing. And even if he doesn't heal you here, he's gonna, you're not going to have COVID in heaven. It's not going to happen. There's no COVID in heaven. There's no verb. It's COVID in heaven. Praise God. Woo. Stand to your feet. You know what the verb in heaven is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's faithful. He's true. He's faithful. Is he always faithful? He's always faithful. Come on, say it. Agree. 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 He's always faithful. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. Lord, they're your people. These are your children. These are your kids. What are you saying to them, Holy Spirit? What are you saying? God, our hearts are open. If we're gripped in fear, we need help, Lord. Lord, you say in your word, this is what we agree with. Cast your cares upon me. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Bring it to God. Bring it to the one who can heal. Bring it to the one that could break the chains. Bring it to the one that could bring health instead of unhealth. Bring it to God. This is your time, church. This is your moment online. This is your moment right here and right now. Agree with God. Even if you don't believe, give it a try. Jesus, I'm struggling. I've been hurt. I've had this situation. I've had this circumstance. I need your help. See that God is faithful. Lord, we love you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name.